fuck. Now that we've gotten that out of the way. <laughs> Howdy, Mimpers. Welcome back to the Midwife in My Pocket podcast. As always, I am your host, Zoe. And thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode. Welcome. Um, today is going to be a little bit of a lighthearted ep just to, I guess, ease the mood, lighten it up a little bit. Um, the past couple of weeks of podcast content has been really quite heavy um, and not necessarily in a bad way, but I can sort of feel that it's becoming a little bit too educational, ed- uh, fuck, educational and um, I guess which is good. Like, don't get me wrong, that's exactly what I want it to be. But I also want to stay true to myself and my brand, which is being lighthearted, a bit of a dickhead. Um, and I thought, you know, what better way to do that than just a lighthearted, funny, kind of chilled out episode. So today's going to be a bit of a mixed match episode in the sense that there's no real plan. Um, I'm just sort of coming up and having a chat so we'll see how that goes I did have a lot of content planned um around you know student midwives and that sort of I guess segment um which I will do eventually um like I said at the very start of this podcast I've always wanted it to sort of just be whatever inspires me at the time and I feel at the moment that whilst my content is really educational and it is um, really beneficial. I also want to make sure that, you know, this is a safe space for people where they can come and sort of just take their mind off things, whether you're pregnant or not. Um, I don't want it to just be oversaturated with, you know, educational content that you would otherwise get at an antenatal appointment and so on and so forth. So anyway, I just wanted this to be something a little bit different, a little bit fun to break up your week and also give me a little bit of a pep up as well because today has been a journey. (laughs) Um, I had a hearing test today and that didn't go as well as I hoped, which I always know that, you know, my hearing tests aren't going to be miraculous. Like they're not going to tell me that my hearing has come back, nor are they going to tell me that, you know, it hasn't changed. Um, Every time I go in, I know that it's going to decrease bit by bit every year. Um, but today I guess it's dropped a little bit more than I was anticipating. So I sort of just wanted to get on here and have a little bit of a therapy session, which I always said this podcast was going to be, um, but just take my mind off it by doing something that's really quite light and enjoyable. I also have really bad hay fever at the moment. So my energy is just really low, (laughs) Um, which it always is low after a hearing appointment because you're so focused on, you know, the tests and they do all sorts of different things to try and gauge where your hearing's at. It's just a really exhausting process. And to be honest, I wasn't going to record a podcast today, but I thought I better show up and why not just do something fun instead of, you know, having to have it be such an effort all the time. And don't get me wrong, the payoff with, um, like, the effort I put into my podcast is good. Like I'm getting really good view, uh, listens, um, getting really good engagement from you guys, which I wholeheartedly thank you for. But I think it's also good to have a little bit of a break. So I thought I'd better show up today, just do something different and enjoyable for everyone and see how it goes. So um, 
I guess today we're going to be talking about the weird side of pregnancy, the shit that no one tells you about or the shit that you don't know until you're in it because that's the whole, I guess, base of my brand. It was always going to be something that like I wanted to educate people, but I wanted to make them aware of the things that you might not know unless you're in a birth scenario because it was such a shock to me. Like, let me tell you, the second I walked into a birth and saw it all firsthand, I was shooketh. <laughs> it was quite honestly a huge shock to my system. I always knew that babies came out of your vagina or, you know, that you had a cesarean or whatever the case may be, but I had no idea the actual, I don't even know the details of birth. I had no idea how full on it can be and how scary it can be until I was in it. And I was the person at the business end of the transaction. And it was insane. (laughs) Um, Like, it's just wild to think that For 40 weeks, you grow a human inside of you. Like you are literally forming a life. Not only are you doing that, but your body is growing like the kid's fingernails. Your body's growing hair. Your body's growing bones. Like what the fuck? And that to me is just so hard to wrap my head around. Like how? Wild. Anyway, so I didn't really know the ins and outs of pregnancy until I did midwifery. Um, And even then I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) And then, of course, I got thrown into a birth situation and you always know. So like they always teach you in sex ed that like the baby comes out of your vagina, um, you know, yay, congrats, you've had a baby. I didn't know like that you literally push a baby out of your vagina. Like the thing stretches most of the time like is that just not bizarre to anyone else like yeah anyway if I stew on it for too long I just get myself into a bit of a spiral but yeah I had no idea until I was literally in it I was standing there the woman was pushing and yep boop there we go baby like wild so anyway um that's how this brand was formed (laughs) because I thought like If I haven't learned any of this stuff until now, and I was what, maybe 22, 23 at the time of doing my degree, what the fuck? Like, what are other people doing? Like, they're not even learning this stuff until they have the baby, until they are literally said person pushing said baby out of said vagina or whatever the case may be. Wild. Like, it's not all cute and cuddly. It's insane. (laughs) So... I think I'll talk about the weird side of pregnancy today because A, it's not something that gets spoken about too much. B, it is something that a lot of people aren't even remotely aware of. Um, And I think it's really important to talk about because if you don't know the weird side of pregnancy, well, like how isolating could that be if you were in that? Like with me, for example, like I don't even know, with periods, I love talking to my girlfriends about, you know, their periods and like how theirs is different to mine because it's interesting, right? And it's nice to know that you're not alone. Like weird shit about women's health should be spoken about because it can be so incredibly lonely when you feel like you're the only person in the world who's going through it. Um, So that's what this whole 
MIMP is about. It's about making you feel less alone, making you feel more empowered and more informed about your body, about your um, healthcare decisions, etc. So this podcast is going to be no different to that. <laughs> um, so I guess we'll get straight into it. So I put up a question box a couple of months ago, actually, and the response I got was overwhelming. So I literally said, tell me the weirdest parts of pregnancy that you basically were never aware of. And I was scrolling through just the other day and I actually got over 400 responses, which is wild. And that wasn't just from the question box. That was also in my DMs at the time. Um, so it was a lot and it was really overwhelming. And it was one of the first sort of Monday segments that I do. So if you don't follow me on Instagram, I do a thing most Mondays. I've sort of stopped doing it recently because it's um, just as I get back into birth suite and get back into work, it's hard to sort of keep up with that. I will try and bring it back in a minute. It's been a hot minute since it's been on, but um, it's just really hard to keep up with the demand of it and to keep, you know, everyone entertained with it. So yeah, but otherwise I was doing a segment called Mint Mondays and what it would be would be like the weird stuff that I'm sort of into as a person. So I would ask like these really I guess, quirky questions. Um, it'll be like, tell me your unpopular opinion. Tell me the weird side of pregnancy. Tell me, you know, the weird shit your partner has said in labor and birth, et cetera, et cetera. Like that sort of thing, just something fun and lighthearted. Um, so yeah, I put that up mostly. I don't, you know how when you start a sentence and you don't really know where it's going? I just did that. I'm hoping that it will come up to me now. Yeah, so anyway, that is where the question box came from. It was from that MIMP Mondays that I was just explaining to you about. Um, so I guess I'll go through the questions now and we'll do a little bit of a deep dive into what that part or like what that process of pregnancy and labor and birth and all of that is, why it's important and why it's so fucking weird. Alrighty, first question. Alrighty, so a user on Instagram put in the text box or the question box. Um, hey Zoe, is it normal for my OB, which is obstetrician, to put his finger in my bum to check my stitches? It was legit the worst part of labor, but it was something that I never saw coming. Can you please tell me why this happens and what the go is? Thanks. <laughs> so this is actually a question I get asked a lot. And there was a TikTok circulating around where this guy was watching, I guess, the simulation of birth and the doctor put the finger in the bum and everyone was like, what the fuck, does this actually happen? Yes, it does actually happen. The reason being, so with birth, obviously, this is all vaginal birth stuff. I'll, also, I'll get to why we put a finger in your bum for cesareans, but I'll stick to the vagina for now. So after a vaginal birth, when your body is obviously birthing the baby your vagina or your perineum stretches and what can happen with stretching is tearing so whether you tear in a linear fashion so whether it's just you know a tiny tear to the side or it's a bit of a jagged tear whatever the case may be it's hard to tell exactly where you'll tear until after so that's why the doctors or the midwives or whoever it may be 
will actually check your vagina quite extensively to make sure that if you have torn, it's, you know, we know where it is. So for example, I've done a post on this in my Instagram where we go through the different degrees of tears and what they mean. But essentially we're checking your tear to make sure that it's, you know, we categorize it into either it's first degree tear or a graze, um, a second degree, third degree, fourth degree, etc. Um, so that's what we're looking for. We're making sure that we categorize it according to what it is. And we also want to make sure that there's no undetected tears that could cause, you know, issues later on. So if a tear goes unnoticed, um, it can contribute to bleeding. It can contribute to infection. Um, and those aren't things that we want. No one wants that. Um, but we also want to make sure that it's a localized tear as opposed to being somewhere else. So most commonly people will tear along their vaginal wall um, with the muscles involved or that sort of thing. It depends, again, going into categories, which I won't go into on this podcast because it's just going to be too much information to handle. Um, but sometimes you can have a cervical tear, which is a lot harder to repair, etc. And if it does go unnoticed, that's when your complications come about. So a part of checking or a part of categorizing tears is that we need to check your bum because if the tear has extended downward into your bottom, that's when you go into more issues again, like infection, or you can have some really bad pelvic floor problems or incontinence issues with pooing, etc. And that's the reason why we check because sometimes you can't see it from the outside. So we actually need to put a finger in and if we can see our finger on the other side or we can see it through your vagina, that's when we know that you've torn all the way through. Um, and that's obviously a much more serious issue than a tear on your vaginal wall or that sort of thing. So I hope that makes sense. That's in a vaginal sense. In a cesarean sense, obviously you birthed your baby through your abdomen. So it's a bit different to a vaginal stuff, to the vaginal stuff. But what you might have happen is doctors may give you a form of pain relief in your bottom because it gets absorbed quicker than what an oral medication would. So <laughs> they should be asking you for consent with this. Like that's a pretty big thing. They, you should know. Sometimes they do tell you and honestly, you're so caught up in the moment that you forget, um, you know, that they've even asked or you don't even realize that they've asked. Um, but yeah, if there is going to be a finger in your bum, it's usually for one of two reasons. One of them being we're either checking for tears or the second one, we're giving you pain relief. So keep that in mind. <laughs> um, I hope that clears that up for you. User one. All right. So second question is, can you, being midwives, actually feel where my baby is positioned based on feeling my tummy? I feel like you guys rumble around in my guts for ages trying to figure out where it is. And most of the time, it looks like you have no idea. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> so at every appointment, midwives should be checking where your baby is positioned. And we can do this through a number of ways. But the most, I guess, old school way is doing an abdo pal which is where we literally palpate your abdomen with our hands and try to suss out where baby is. Now, this is a very objective or subjective. I think it's subjective 
type of assessment because everyone feels things a little bit differently. Everyone has a different interpretation. But most of the time, we're able to tell where baby is based on our findings. So when we do an abdo palp, we're sort of feeling for a couple of different things. So we want to feel where baby's positioned, like what position are they lying in? Are they in a... um anterior position, posterior position, are they breech or cephalic? So cephalic being head down, ready to go. We also then want to check, you know, are they engaged into your pelvis, which we won't check every single time. We usually check that a little bit later um, around the time that you're about to birth. Um, We also want to check their station. So that's checking how engaged they are in your pelvis, whether they're, you know, at your pelvic spines or they're, you know, not even in your pelvic inlet, you know, that sort of thing. Um, So, yeah, we can determine where your baby is positioned based on that. Um, Some people are better at it than others. So that that would come into play when your midwife or whoever it was looked like they have no idea. Um, It is a really hard assessment to grab, um, I guess, to get used to. It is really hard to, because obviously we can't see baby, like we have no idea. So it's really up to interpretation. Um, Sometimes babies honestly change positions very quickly. It can be really difficult to do if, um, you know, depending on you as well and depending on your body type, it's obviously going to be a lot easier to feel a baby on a smaller person than it might be on a bigger person. And, you know, it all just depends. It's all very subjective on the day. Um, but yes, in conclusion, midwives can feel where your baby is, where your baby's positioned. Um, this is a skill that gets better with experience and sometimes they're just really hard to feel. <laughs> so if we do look a little bit clueless, it's because we're probably, you know, trying to visualize it in our heads or we have our little tricks that we do um, to help, I guess, the process because it's not always linear and it's not always, you know, clear to understand where baby is positioned when we can't even see them so yeah we do have a good feel around and we do have a little good little rummage in your guts but um things that can make that more comfortable is going to the toilet beforehand whether that be for a pee or a poo um that can also make it easier for us because we're not having the bladder um you know push baby around or reposition them in a weird way um trying not to eat directly before so if you know you have a midwife appointment coming up try not to eat a huge meal um, because obviously that can upset your tummy a little bit if we are going to be poking around and that sort of thing Um, and just making sure that you're comfortable like in a comfortable position on the day and if it isn't comfortable telling your midwife every midwife has sort of a different pressure that they'll use on your belly to find baby it shouldn't hurt obviously like I said some people are a bit more rough than others so if at any point you're uncomfortable, let them know. Um, but yeah, those little things should help you make it a bit less of an awkward experience. Um, so yeah, that is the answer for that one. I love the little rumble in your guts. Nothing better, really. <laughs> okay, next question. Is it normal to bleed postpartum? I feel like this was something no one told me. Yes, I agree no one tells you about the bleeding part or if they do it's kind of like oh you know just imagine what your period's like no um it is very normal to bleed after birth obviously um your uterus has just expelled a baby um so I usually say 
it's like your body makes up for nine months of not having a period. So your uterus is trying to go back to its normal state after baby is born. So to do that, it gets rid of all of the fluid. It gets rid of all of the blood that was circulating, keeping your baby alive and well. So that's what's getting expelled when you do have a bleed. Um, So that's one component of it. Another component of it is um, tears. Like I said before, if you do have a tear, it can bleed because it's such, if you think about your vagina as being such a sensitive area, it's full of blood vessels and it's full of, you know, lovely stuff. So when that gets torn through, sometimes it bleeds and it can bleed quite profusely. So that's why when you do have a vaginal tear or whatever the case may be, we assess it straight away and we aim for really early um, reparation. Yeah, I think that's the word I'm looking for. (laughs) Um, But we aim to get it fixed pretty quickly because if that is the source of the bleeding, we want it gone because otherwise, um, like we want it repaired because that can lead to further complications and you can get really unwell from it. So um, yeah, tearing is obviously a cause of bleeding. If your body has retained your placenta, that can be another cause of bleeding. And obviously it'll depend on the day and it'll depend on what has occurred. Um, That could contribute to blood loss after baby's born. So that's why we will constantly be checking your placenta to make sure that when it does come out, it is intact. Um, Sometimes the placenta can be really embedded into your uterine lining and that can lead to, that's a whole nother issue in itself. Um, But yes, the placenta can contribute to you having blood loss. And another thing is like your body's ability to coagulate blood. So if you have any um, clotting issues, that can actually contribute to blood loss. And that's something that your midwife or your care provider needs to be aware of. So if you have any clotting disorders, um, thalassemia, that's something that you need to disclose at your appointments and your midwives will, you know, make sure that there's things in place to prevent you having a bleed on the day. Um, You can bleed in both a vaginal and cesarean birth setting. Now, the amount of blood loss that is considered normal for a vaginal birth is up to 500 mil. So if you think about that, um, fuck, this is always the thing that bothers me because I can never think of measurements. (laughs) Like it just eludes me. Um, Half a liter. (laughs) That's how much blood you can lose in a vaginal birth, which may not seem like a huge amount, but it is quite substantial. Um, It's a lot, basically. And then in a cesarean birth, you can safely lose up to one litre before it's considered an emergency. So that's when, you know, we'll have things in place to prevent the bleeding from complicating further. So in conclusion, yes, it is normal to bleed after birth. However, up until a point. So we know as midwives that your body is going to expel a bit of blood once baby is born. And that's when we assess where's it coming from? What can we do to prevent further blood loss? And is there anything that may be contributing that we're unaware of? So could it be the placenta? Could it be a cervical tear? That sort of thing. So that's why immediately after birth, we'll be checking like basically going through a head to toe checklist, making sure we've covered all of our bases so that we can address the bleed quickly before it gets past that point where it's then considered an emergency. So yes, very normal to bleed. Um, Yes, it is very confronting 
and you can be bleeding for a number of days, even a week or two post-op, uh, post-op, postpartumly. Um, but yes, very normal. Something to keep an eye on. I usually say to people that um, pads will be your best measurement of bleeding and don't be afraid to take photos. So with bleeding, we want to know, midwives want to know what type of color it is, how much there is, and if you know, it's trickling out, is it sort of a long process? How often are you changing your pads? That sort of thing. Um, because you can have a secondary postpartum hemorrhage. So a primary postpartum hemorrhage is when you lose blood within 24 hours of birth. Um, so that could be from birth onwards. And then a secondary postpartum hemorrhage is past that 24 hour point and up until six weeks postpartum. So if all of a sudden you're at home and your bleeding starts up again without any real, I guess, indication as to why, that's when you need to be alerting your midwives and making sure that you're keeping track of how much blood you're losing. You don't have to pour it into a cup or anything and say like, this is how many mils I've lost. But if you keep track of how many pads we can roughly estimate how many mils that is and what's normal or not normal. Um, and then we go from there. So after birth, we usually say if you're changing more than one pad an hour, let us know because that's obviously not normal. And I usually say as well, like think of what you would have lost in a normal period. The same thing with a normal period. Like if you're changing pads every hour, that's a pretty good indication that something's up and something's a bit abnormal and that you need further assessment. Um, so yeah, like I said, bleeding's normal, um, but you need to know and like listening to your body and understanding your body and what's normal and what's not normal will give you a pretty good indication of when you should call your midwife. So um, yeah, bleeding, normal, not a lot of blood is normal. <laughs> Hope that helps. <laughs> Okie dokie, next question. Hey Zoe, does milk come out of more than one hole in your nipple or do we just have the one hole? Thanks because I've just expressed and it's kind of freaked me out because I have like 10 different holes in my nipple. <laughs> oh fuck, I love the way you guys word these. It's just so good. Um, in conclusion, yes, there is not technically one hole in your nipple. Some, like, I don't know where the one hole thing comes from, but it's not true. So you have like all of these little openings in your nipple. Um, so when you do express, don't be surprised if you see one coming out from like the edge of your areola or like, you know, not technically in the middle of your nipple. And don't be surprised if you see it come out of like six different holes at once. That is normal. Um, it's just the way our body works, isn't it? Bloody beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, be prepared for that because I always thought that, yes, it came out of the one hole, like that your nipple just had one little tiny crack in the middle and that was where um, your milk came from. But no, it comes out of all these little different openings. Um, so yeah, that's normal. Don't think that you are anatomically incorrect. You're cool, sis. Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's a nice little quickie for you. Oh, next question. I love this one so much. What the fuck is the go with the placenta? <laughs> Do I actually have to birth it or does it just like walk itself out? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> okay. Your placenta is, I had no idea about this either, if I'm honest. Like 
I was always just under the impression that birth was birth. You'd have your baby, boom, that's it. And then, yeah, the placenta. (laughs) So when I first saw this, I was sort of a bit like, not going to lie, thrown the fuck off because I was like, I have never been told about this. None of my sex, 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 none of my sex ed teachers ever told me about the placenta or what it even looked like or what the go with it was. Um, so I'm just assuming that this question will be asking about how it's birthed. Um, because we all know that the placenta is something that, you know, is embedded in your uterus. It grows your baby basically encapsulates your baby provides them nourishment that sort of thing but to birth it um a lot of people don't even realize that this is a thing particularly if you've had an epidural like sometimes you'll just birth your placenta and not even know it um but the placent like the birth of your placenta is a whole thing um there are completely different ways to do it just like birth really there's no one linear experience there can be heaps of different ones so The most common one, I guess, is having um, it be birthed normally, like physiologically with no intervention whatsoever, Um, which is great. But we don't usually recommend this to women who have had a bleed in the past. And then you go into your active or modified management, which I'm going to actually do a full podcast episode on this because I think it's really important. So I won't go into too much detail because that'll just take up a whole period of time. Um, but basically you can either, like I said, just birth the placenta normally with no intervention at all. The other option that you may have is to have active management, which is where your care provider will give you a injection of an oxytocic drug, which is basically a hormone, um, or a synthetic version of the hormone oxytocin. So that's your things like syntocinon or syntometrin, that sort of thing. And your doctor will, or whoever the person may be, will give you a shot in your leg, which will stimulate your uterus to contract. And what health professionals do is they look at your body and how it responds to this shot. So ways that we can tell that your placenta is ready to come out is um, the cord will lengthen, which means that it's, you know, dislodged itself or disconnected itself from you. I'm always like stumbling for words here. I swear, as soon as I get in front of the microphone, I'm like, fuck, how do I speak? (laughs) Um, But yeah, once the placenta comes away from your uterus, um, the cord will lengthen. You might have a little bit of a gush of blood um, as the placenta comes away or your uterus will actually change shape. So it'll become a lot more globular in shape, like a lot more oval, if that makes sense. Um, And those are indications that, you know, it's ready to come out. Otherwise, you will feel the urge to push again. So it'll sort of be like a pressure in your pelvis, the same sort of way it would feel with baby, I'd imagine. Um, But a lot of women, when they, you know, haven't had drugs on board, like an epidural, they usually say, oh, I feel like I need to poo again, or I feel like, you know, there's another head there, like, what the fuck? But it's actually your placenta. So if that's the case, We'll usually say, okay, give us a little push and we'll see what happens. If the pushing successful, boom, placenta's birthed, done. If not, or if, you know, the placenta's just taking a little while to come out, 
um, that's when something called controlled cord traction comes into play. And basically midwives or whoever it may be will give the cord a little bit of a um, gentle traction to help it come out. And that's the way you birth your placenta. Sometimes this works, sometimes it doesn't. And this is when you end up with, you know, a retained placenta or if it doesn't come away from the uterus, that's when we start to get a little bit concerned. So we usually put it on a timer. I know that time in a birth sense is very annoying and can be quite frustrating. But unfortunately with a placenta, because we know the complications of retained product and we know that it can be really unhealthy to keep it in there for a long period of time, we do need to intervene in that way. So whether or not, um, you know, we do that in theater or whatever the case may be, that's something that could happen. Most of the time, the placenta comes out on its own with no issues at all. Um, other times it might just be quite embedded into your lining and that's when, you know, we need to intervene to get rid of it. Um, what you do with your placenta after is completely your decision. Sometimes your doctors, especially if there has been a complication um, with the birth or if the placenta looks a little bit abnormal, we may recommend getting it sent away to a lab for testing. Now, what happens after that, I'm not really sure whether you can get that placenta back or not. Um, obviously, this will need to be a discussion with your care providers to make sure that you know, if that's the case and it does come to that, what happens with your placenta after? Um, unfortunately, that's not something I'm very aware of. But in most other circumstances, we will give you the option to either, you know, take your placenta home or we get rid of it for you, meaning it gets incinerated. It's a bodily hazard, that type of thing. Um, or you can get your placenta encapsulated. Basically, the world is your oyster with your placenta. You can do whatever you please with it. It is a part of you. Um, so it's your property, so to speak. So yeah, that is the most I'll talk about placentas for this episode. I promise I will actually do an episode on it soon. Um, just solely dedicated to it because there's a lot of information about it. And again, people aren't really aware of it clearly. <laughs> All right. So I hope we answered that one. Well, let's go on to the next one. Next question is, what the fuck is the go with afterbirth pains? Yes. <laughs> I also had no idea about this. I feel like I had no idea about anything birth or baby related until I became a midwife. Um, but again, like this is just the lack of education. Bastards. Um, so yeah, afterbirth pains, very, very normal. They can sneak up on you when you least expect it. But basically what they are is your uterus trying to return to its pre-pregnant state. So if you imagine it, like a, having a six pound, seven pound, whatever pound baby in your belly, your uterus has obviously had to stretch to accommodate that. So you've had 40 weeks of growth with this baby or whatever the case may be. So of course your uterus is going to expand to... I guess, meet that demand that comes from your kid. <laughs> um, so once baby is born, obviously your placenta, uh, your placenta, your uterus goes through a little bit of a shock. It's like, holy shit, this baby's out now. I have to go back to normal. So what this starts is the process of involution. So like I said, this is when you tend to have your bleeding. This is when it tends to hurt a little bit. Um, it gets rid of all of that amniotic fluid, et cetera, et cetera. And what happens is 
it can manifest into pain. So a lot of people describe it as a cramping type of pain, a really um, like an ache or a sharp pain. You know, different people have different um, descriptions of it. Essentially, it hurts. <laughs> and what midwives like to do after birth is assess where your plus, uh, where you, oh, I keep saying placenta, is we like to assess where your uterus is and if it's contracted or if it's a little bit boggy. So what we don't want is for your uterus to be um, a little bit slower to contract because, again, what that can contribute to is a bleed. And that's the last thing we want after having pushed a baby out or, you know, seized a baby. We want to make sure that that uterus is contracting because that will just avoid a whole heap of complications in the long run. So with that we will give it a little bit of a massage. Now, don't let the term massage fool you. It's quite painful, <laughs> um, particularly if you haven't had any pain relief on board, like an epidural or any of that thing. It's really quite uncomfortable. And what we're doing is we're stimulating your uterus to contract in that way. Other forms of stimulation might be through, um, you know, that injection I was talking about, that syntocinon. If you've had an induction, sometimes we like to let the synto run through to keep stimulating that uterus to contract and go back to its pre-pregnant state. Um, so by the time you sort of reach, I think it's about four days postpartum, um, your uterus should be well and truly contracted and it should be well and truly below your belly button. Um, so usually after birth, it goes down to usually being two fingers below your belly button. And then obviously as the days progress, that's when it goes lower and lower and to the point where we can't even feel it anymore, which is what we want. Um, things that can cause this afterbirth pain to be a little bit worse than usual or things that can cause your uterus to contract is an oxytocin rich environment. So oxytocin, like I said before, is that hormone that's responsible for your uterine contractions. It's the hormone that's responsible for getting you into labor. It's the hormone that'll contribute to breastfeeding, all of that sort of thing. It's a really lovely, lovely thing. And it's a big component of birth, labor, postpartum and beyond. So ways that you can increase your oxytocin and ways that you can conveniently get your uterus to contract is through doing things like skin to skin with your baby, breastfeeding your baby, even just sometimes looking at your baby can be enough to cause your uterus to go, oh, hey, boom, bitch. <laughs> and that's, you know, causing the contractions, causing it to go back to normal. Um, so that's why a lot of women will say, like, they'll buzz me in the middle of the night and be like, Zoe, like, I've just finished a breastfeed and all of a sudden like I've getting I'm getting these really strong contractions again and they look really quite scared and nine times out of ten I have to explain to them you know this is normal here's some pain relief or here's some heat packs or whatever the case may be um, but is a very normal response and <laughs> it's going to happen for the next couple of days until your uterus contracts the, to where it should be so don't be surprised if that happens if it does occur to you and it throws you a bit off guard, take a breath, just relax. Don't be afraid to buzz your midwives or call them or text them, whatever the case may be, and just say, hey, this is what I'm going through. Is this afterbirth pains? Um, what can I do to help it? Um, if you're in hospital, nine times out of 10, we'll give you a little bit of pain relief, whether that be simple analgesia or something a little bit stronger, depending on where you're at. Um, sometimes we say, just a little bit of heat packs or something can help, a position change maybe, um, 
doing, you know, just little comfort measures to help ease the pain, usually they do go away. So yeah, it is something that is normal and it is something that doesn't last forever, but it can just be a real shock to your system when you do get them. And again, because it's not something that's widely spoken about, it can be really quite confronting when it does happen and you have no idea why. So yes, afterbirth pains, very normal. Now, I feel like this next question is probably the most asked question I can get as a midwife. And it is, will I shit myself in labor? <sighs> you could very, yeah, very easily shit yourself. But never fear. We are very discreet <laughs> if you do happen to have a little bit of pop, pop its way out. So pooing in labor or birth, obviously very normal particularly when baby is moving its way down into your pelvis um, with your anatomy, it pushes on both your bladder and your bowel. Um, so very normal for that to happen, for you to expel a little bit of poop. Don't be thinking that you need anything stupid like an enema or whatever beforehand. You don't need to constantly shit before you come into labor because that's not beneficial for anyone. If it happens, it happens that's fine. It's a normal process. Please don't psych yourself up about it. It's normal. And we've seen it all. So honestly, it does not affect us. We will just quickly wipe it away and do whatever we need to, to make sure that you're comfortable. Um, but essentially, yes, as baby moves its head down into your pelvis, it can cause a little bit of poo to be excreted without you even feeling the urge or without you even knowing. Um, sometimes it honestly just shoots out and that's normal. Another reason why is when you're pushing, we usually tell you that when you are in that pushing stage, push as if you're doing a poo, push right down into your bottom and try to mimic the action you would with a poo um, because that's the most effective way to get baby out essentially. So if you're pooing, you're doing the right thing. <laughs> Not everyone poos and honestly, half the time you don't even realize because you're so preoccupied on getting your baby out or midwives are so good at wiping it away. It honestly isn't a big deal. Um, the, the likelihood of you pooing is quite high, again, because of, you know, baby pushing, whatnot, um, but it's normal. So please don't think that midwives will ever judge you for it or that anyone in the room would judge you for it. If they are going to judge you and if they are going to be a dick about it, we will most likely kick them out. <laughs> Let's be real. Or they shouldn't be in your birth experience because, and I think anyone who's been through birth before knows what it's like and they know that it's normal. So please don't be intimidated by it. I mean, feel free to pre-warn your partner or whatever, whoever may be present in your birth that you may shit. <laughs> it is normal. So please don't stress about it. Please don't let it psych you out. Um, like I said, we are poo wiping ninjas. So you've got this, sis. We've got you. <laughs> so I've got time for one more question. Um, I just realized that I'm up to like 42 minutes in this podcast and I don't want it to go over time. Um, but the last question is, do midwives ever judge you for being hairy down there in quotation marks? Short answer, no. We honestly see it all. If at any point you feel like your midwife is judging you or you feel uncomfortable, that is when you should let someone know because that is not acceptable. We are more likely to judge the midwife who judges you 
then we are to judge you for having hair essentially like honestly it is completely normal we have seen it all when it comes to vaginas we see piercings we see different types of labias different types of vagina in general like honestly we've seen it all we've seen hairy ones we see lasered ones we see waxed we see tattoos <laughs> honestly it does not matter um as long as it's something that you know it's not hurting anyone i mean a bit of hair who cares like it does not matter you can still birth your baby with a full bush or with none at all or with a bit of two week old shaving you know oh, i can't even think of the word you can birth your baby with hair okay <laughs> and it does not matter like and I think any health professional will tell you about your body, like anything about your body does not matter. You may be insecure about it, but honestly, we're not going to judge you. We're not going to make you feel bad for it um, because, again, we see all of it. And let me tell you, when you're in the heat of the moment and when you're about to birth your baby, the last thing you're going to be worried about is your vagina hair, <laughs> your pubes. Trust me, it's not going to matter. Um, the only time it does matter is in a cesarean section environment but even then in an emergency we make do okay so when you do go for a cesarean and I explained this in the last podcast we do need you to shave um, particularly the upper half of your um, vagina just because I guess it is what's the word um fuck I've just lost my wording Oh, just because the potential for your pubes to fly into your open abdominal cavity is quite high. <laughs> so that's the only reason we would ever ask you to shave. But even then, it's not because we're being judgmental and it's not because of, you know, whatever. It's just because we want to be safe and prevent stray pubes from flying around the, op the operating theater. <laughs> but yes. In conclusion, we don't care. Please come in as you are. It doesn't matter. All right. Okay, guys, that is all I have time for today. I hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast. I know it's probably a bit of a wishy-washy episode. Um, I had a lot of fun doing it, though, and I hope you guys had a lot of fun listening to it. Please, 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 please leave me a rate, a review. Please follow me if you're on Spotify. Um... But honestly, the rates and reviews mean more than you'll ever know. It makes my day seeing that you guys are enjoying my podcast. Please send me a photo if you of where you were listening. Um, I'm honestly so down for that as well. It just truly makes my day. So if you have the time, please leave a review. Please follow. Please share it with a friend. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, it's a matter of time. I'm surprised I actually got through that whole podcast without coughing or sneezing. Um, but yeah, please share me with a friend. Please follow me at, or on Instagram at midwife in my pocket. I'm also on TikTok, <laughs> which you can find via my Instagram in the link, um, link tree, link in bio. Um, I do have a website. It is www.midwifeinmypocket.org where you can purchase some eBooks. Um, if that's something that interests you, Christmas is coming up. <laughs> And I also am on Facebook under Midwife in My Pocket. So please feel free to check us out. Please come and um, engage with the community. I really look forward to seeing you guys 
engaging and becoming a part of this crazy, crazy brand, I guess. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you all next Tuesday. It's a hooroo from me. Bye.